Inspiration, Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi family, welcome back to the Adventist Reflections podcast. Today we have again Pastor Zeni and uh, we're going to be talking about chapter 8 of the book of Daniel. Zeni, how are you going today again? Very good. How are you, Dan? I am well, thank you. I am excited to see that uh, we're progressing along this book and I have learned so many things from the wisdom that you have shared with us and how the Lord has impressed you to to educate us all as we, as we dissect the book of Daniel. So... Today we're going to be talking about chapter 8 and we were talking behind the scenes how this is going to be, it's a long chapter, there is so many things that we can talk about, just similar to chapter 7. Yeah. So we might we might dissect the chapter in such a way that we make um, mild justice to it. So yeah. perhaps we're going to be dissecting things that won't get into the idea of judgment so deeply, but... Hey, we will consider doing a special episode on that idea. What do you think, Zeni? Yeah, so let's leave judgment for our next session because this chapter is so rich and it has so much in it. Yeah. So we sh- we will do a better justice to it if we just deal with it separately. Excellent. So we can basically deal with the first part of a chapter now and then second part next time. Yeah. All right. So we have here in chapter eight, it, it, it says in verse one that it's the third year of King Belshazzar's reign. So it's almost as if almost two years have gone through since Daniel had the first vision of the four beasts coming from the sea. Yes, yes. And yes. as we finished the chapter last week, it says that Daniel, you know, he was troubled by it, but he put the things in his heart. So he kind of like remembered them and they were there in his mind. Now he's having another vision again. What's going on in this chapter? What's, what's going on in this new vision there's no doubt that there is a connection and there is a link between daniel 7 and daniel 8 okay in chapter 7 verse 27 he would say i daniel and in chapter 8 he also says i daniel Mm. that's one uh textual link if you will between two chapters okay then you also have the common theme which covers the same time period Remember, the major thing uh, and general thing about Daniel is observing that there is there is this structure of four, and, and we never go wrong when we understand that that's the structure right. that, that, that you constantly see. That's in chapter 2. The four metals and the four beasts. Correct, correct, correct. Also, so there's obviously uh, uh, the structure is o- almost the same, mm-hmm. but there are also differences. In ch- chapter 7... Is written in Aramaic language. Okay, okay. But it's interesting also that chapter 8 is written in Hebrew. Oh. This becomes really important later on, and we will realize because the idea of judgment and the cleansing of a sanctuary is is something that is uh, deeply Hebrew reality, Jewish reality. Right, right. Becomes which becomes an antitype of 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 a. a cosmic judgment, if you will. Mm, so it was purposefully written in that language. It wasn't just like a random yes. thing. Okay. And actually, from chapter eight uh, onwards, everything is written in Hebrew. Oh, okay. 
And uh, another difference is, as, as we know, the animals described uh, in chapter 7 representing different kingdoms that will come as part of human history. They were represented by hybrid animals. Yes, yes, they were like monsters kind of thing. But here in chapter 8, kingdoms, not all of them are represented, but just some. So Babylon is not represented, is one thing. Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome are represented. But it's not hybrid animals, but rather normal animals. In fact, we could go further and say these are clean animals. In fact, we could go even further and and to say that these animals were sacrificial animals. Right. And even more importantly, these animals were being offered in sanctuary during uh, Yom Kippur or during judgment or during the cleansing of a sanctuary, which is one and the same thing. Sure. So, but we'll come back to that. So that's that's the major kind of a difference between chapter 7 and chapter 8. So, um, again, chapter 8 could be divided into two parts. Remember, okay. we looked at chapter 7 and it was divided in, in, three, in three, three parts. parts. That's right. Um, you see those three animals first. Yep. Um, and, and then you see the fourth animal yeah. and a little horn given a lot of space, mm-hmm. uh, an explanation. And yeah. then the third scene is the scene of the Son of Man right. who comes to the Ancient of Days. But he comes to the Ancient of Days within a context of a judgment. Yes. And then now in chapter 8, we have two two parts or two sections. The first section is what Daniel sees. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the second part is what Daniel hears. Okay, yes. What Daniel sees were those clean or sacrificial animals. Um, and uh, And what he hears... Uh, is, is judgment. Okay. So, yes. um, so that would be the second part of, of, of chapter eight. Right. So, yes. a, a lot about, obviously, a lot is happening here. Um, so starting really with the historical part, we find in verse eight, it says, as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes, Mm-hmm. Actually, no, we need to start with verse 3 and 4. That's that's um, that's the starting point mm-hmm. uh, about what happened historically. I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal. Yes. And now, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged towards the west and the north and the south. Mm. No animal could stand against it, and none could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased, and it became great. So Daniel, in his vision, sees a ram. A ram um, beside a canal. Yes. And it it had uh, long horns. And it says one of the horns was longer than the other, Mm. but grew up later. So all these details obviously are are really important. Yes. And this horn was charging towards the west and the north and the south. In other words, it was charging towards three uh, 
parts or three uh, mm, three directions. Three directions. So he's coming from the east. Yes. Okay. And it says it became great. Correct. Um, so once again, previous chapters help us, mm. and uh, the same themes are covered. And so, who is this ram? It had two horns, one bigger than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is none other but Persia and Media. Right, the the, the kingdom that had two main Correct. heads. Correct. Yes, yes. Correct. So Persia became bigger, even though it mm. was smaller in the beginning, but it grows and becomes bigger than Media. So Media was more dominant in the first part of the reign, but... Um, but in the second part of the reign, uh, 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 Persia became bigger, and obviously, it is it is depicted in this in this um, explanation about Ram. Yeah, and uh, and and as we have seen previously in chapter in chap- in previous chapter chapter seven, remember that the bear, an animal that looked like a bear, was sitting more on one end one side than the side. other. Yeah. Yes. And also, um, the horns were pointing towards west, north, and south. Okay. And westwards was towards Egypt. Northwards, it was towards Lydia. And southwards, it was towards Babylon. Okay. And in previous chapter, we had this uh, bear that had three... Um, um, what do you call them? Three the bones. Three ribs, the three ribs that he the was crushing in his mouth. Smile that was crushing. So it's yeah. the same thing. It represented uh, Egypt, Lydia, and Babylon. Yes. So this one is more a conquest in which direction it was going. Mm-hmm. And the other one was more of a bloodshed that, that, that happened, if you will. So it's almost as if in this chapter eight, it, like, um, it, it's the same, um, there are a lot of, it's the same thing. So it's parallel to the other chapter. And yes. yet there is a little bit more detail here, perhaps like a repetition of the other prophecy, but expanding it a little bit. Yes. Okay. Correct. Correct. But what I'm always fascinated, just just to 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 have a little bit of a of a intermezzo, a bit of a break on this mm-hmm. one, is that I'm fascinated by God who uses uh, metaphors in such a rich mm. and powerful way. And the details of those meta, uh, of, of those, uh, of the picture that you see are so rich and uh, yet so precise, you know. Mm, absolutely. When you think what happened in chapter two, you have this statue with, with different, four different methods. Yes. What a simple yet profound mm. way to describe the history from the 6th century BC all the way to the very end. Simple. Yeah yet very, very profound. Mm. And God does the same now, but it's interesting that he's portraying it with animals. And, and, and once again, described in details where every detail plays its important part that find, find its parallel to, to real uh, life situations, you know. So it's quite powerful. The same thing would happen later on in the book of Revelation, you know, mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. the same pictures. Yes. And Jesus was also a master of, of portraying pictures, you know, and, 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 and saying, you know, the kingdom of God is like a man who sows a seed, you know. And yeah. so pictures are powerful because they portray a profound truth, isn't it? 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Wow. So, yeah, so that's that's about Ram. Um, yes. Representing uh, Medo-Persian kingdom. And then we have the goat. Uh, and then we have a goat in, in chapter, in, from verse 5. Yes. And it says, as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. So obviously mm. it's speedy, isn't it? Yeah. It came towards the two-horned ram, and uh, I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at it in great rage. So obviously mm-hmm. there's this clash happening Uh, in suspense of heaven, if you will. Right. And so it attacked the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering its two horns. Mm. I mean, what a description, isn't it? Yeah. What a description. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it, and none could rescue the ram from its power. The goat became very great. Mm. But at its height of its power, the large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Wow. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's simple, yet powerful, yet, mm. you know. Very so descriptive. Details, yeah. Very descriptive, yet it, it, it corresponds to the reality of, of a clash between two empires, if you will, which is the empire of Medo-Persia and, mm. and Greece. Yes, you you have Greece as we as we saw last time. Um, uh, yeah, that was the leopard, wasn't it? The leopard. Quickly. Yes, you the know, one that had the quickly. wings. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had wings, and it says here that it was um, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. So you have mm. a sense of, of it almost flying. Yeah, it was speeding through, through his speed. conquest. Okay. Um. And, 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 and attack the ram furiously. So this is obviously a battle between, between Middle Persia and, and Greece. And it, it literally happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, um, and what it is saying that, uh, this, um, this goat-like power or goat-like kingdom mm-hmm. had a prominent horn. Mm, Alexander the Great? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so everybody, you can't miss it, can the you? The first king. You know? Yeah, it's very obvious when you see the history, There's, for sure. When you when we talk about ancient Greece, you know, mm. and uh, and and the formation of ancient Greece, you can't just uh, um, escape the reality of the mighty Alexander the Great, can you? No, no, it's just it's just an icon figure. That um, was classified as the first, and 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 the way he conquered, you know, he was very swift and he was powerful, like nothing that was experienced before. Yeah, uh, Greece conquered, con- conquered the world. So this is the guy who fell. This is this is that one horn that comes from this goat. That's right, that's okay. right. And then after that, it says that, that this prominent horn was broken off. Right. And what we what the history tells us that at a very young age he he became the the ruler and the emperor or the king of the world very yeah. quickly very quickly came to prominence but also very quickly he faded away mm. he died. Right, right. He died. So the sudden death of Alexander the Great brought about uh, four generals that mm. succeeded him. So there was no not a single leader that succeeded him, but four generals 
I'm assuming they divided the kingdom in four regions. Correct. And that's okay. exactly how it is, it is described here. The god became very great, but at its, uh, at the high of its power, the large horn was broken off. What a, what a truthful description of exactly what happened. Mm, absolutely. At the height of its power, at the height of its power, suddenly Alexander the Great dies. It was unexpected. You know? Like if somebody would exactly. have predicted it, nobody would say, no, this won't happen. He's too young. Nobody counted with yeah. his health issues. And it says, in a place four prominent horns grew up. Yes. How else would you describe the rise of these four generals? So it's mm. not a single leader who succeeds in but four generals. Which are the four heads describing that leopard in Daniel 7, I suppose. Correct, correct, exactly right. So beautiful. So how beautiful is that? <laughs> Absolutely. How beautiful is that? I mean, when you read the history, you find it clearly, but when you read God's history, you also find it quite amazing and, and, and astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, no doubt. and this is being predicted much, much before than this was going to take place. This was... This was predicted in the 6th century, and we are talking about centuries later that this is going to happen. Mm, mm. What, a, what a powerful God of, of, of heaven absolutely. Who, who, who does this, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He gives us these messages so that we are aware and be ready. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Uh, so, so that's why studying you know, the book of Daniel is, becomes quite fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, it 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 makes a lot of sense when you you are dissecting the chapters and the verses, and it brings us hope. Yeah. Yes. So yes. so these 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 generals sparse themselves like they go around the four directions of the winds: around north, south, west, east. Um, yes, they basically divide the kingdom. Uh, mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, and that, that's, that's, that, that becomes the history of, of Greek, Greek empire. Mm -hmm. And that is But when the other. Moving, yeah, yeah, moving on mm -hmm. with the text. Um, then it says from verse nine to 12, out of one of them came another horn, mm. which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. Right. It grew until it reached the host of heaven. Yes. Or heavens. Yes. And it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It mm. took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and through and the tr and truth was thrown to the ground. Right. Wow, what a description! So obviously, what we see, we could see parallelism so far with Middle Persia and with Greece mm -hmm. from chapter seven and chapter eight. Mm -hmm. So we are to expect in the same way parallelism. Uh, from chapter seven and chapter eight in what follows. Right. So what followed, it, what followed in chapter uh, seven after the, uh, two hybrid animals, mm -hmm. which represented, uh, Middle Persia and Greece mm -hmm. was the kingdom of Rome. Mm, and even that... more specifically, uh, a little horn power. Right, so it was that beast that was no name. It didn't resemble anything. It was like exactly, no other. exactly, 
And now this one uh, is, doesn't come from an animal, this little horn in chapter exactly. 8. Exactly. So in chapter 7, this, the, 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 we, we, we encounter little horn. Mm. But here we encounter also, it says, another horn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously it would refer to a little horn power. Yeah. Because it set itself up, up against God, and we saw that in chapter 7. Mm. And it does the same here. It sets itself up against God. Mm. It is interesting. It, it works against the people of God in chapter uh, 7, and it does the same against the people of God in chapter 8. Right. Right. Um, and, 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 and so there is no doubt, and there should be no doubt that this is, this refers to the same, to the same power, which is really little horn power or papacy, if you will. Yes. Yes. Okay. So in other words, in chapter seven, it has the same name. Mm -hmm. In chapter eight, it is the same name, a little horn. Yes. In chapter seven, it is arrogant. It is very intelligent. In chapter 8, it is arrogant, it is intelligent. It right. works against God in chapter 7. It works against God in, in, in chapter 8. And against the saints. Exactly. Takes on it on itself attributes of God in chapter 7. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and does, does the same uh, in hmm. chapter 8. It takes daily sacrifice from a prince. Hmm. So he's taking uh, it away. This exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, so something is happening with this little horn power, or, or papacy that it takes prerogatives of God upon it uh, upon itself. And mm -hmm. when you think about it, that's exactly what happened. You know, so much power is invested in priests mm -hmm. that they can mediate between people and God. You know. Right. And when they receive Eucharist, by just saying a Latin word, they turn this Eucharist into literal blood and 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 uh, and 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 the uh, and the body of Jesus. That's mm. incredible power, mm. you know, that they believe that they have, and therefore they sway power onto people because they are distributors of the salvation, you mm. know. So they're doing the work that only God can do. Only God can do, you know. Yeah. So it, that, um, mm, mm. It reminds me on that idea. They have a contempt for, for the for the law of God because it yes. says in chapter seven that it, it changes the law of God. Mm -hmm. Attempts to change the law of God, and 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 in also in chapter eight it says that the truth was thrown uh, thrown onto the ground. Yes, um, and uh, so it's 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 kind of the same thing. It persecutes yes. the saints in chapter seven, and exactly the same thing in chapter eight. Mm -hmm. And and it in chapter seven it is the most important. Uh, power until the very end of time mm. and in chapter 8 it's also the most important power until the end of time so it is really talking about one and the same power which is religious power of Roman Catholic Church headed by, by papacy yeah. it started very early in a Christian church and it will, it will go all the way until the end and I'm assuming being that it's the same thing it is also here that we see that long period of time that we have got to know as the dark ages when people were living in darkness spiritually because they were 
seeking for man-made systems of false religion, forgiveness and after and abstinence. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so, so we have all these parallelisms, and we didn't even go into, but but um, we already did that in chapter seven when we talk about the parallels between chapter two and chapter seven. But we can see also these parallels between chapter two, seven, and eight. Can't we? That's right. Yeah. There is there's, there's one one thing where many uh, who look at this chapter, uh, some students of the Bible would say, "Hey, why why do we see?" this little horn power as part of the fourth kingdom rather than the third kingdom because it says that out of them arose this little horn and they point out that out of them could be these four horns mm-hmm. um, or four, four generals, if you will. Yeah. So they say this should be regarded as part of of Greece rather than rather than Rome. Okay, and yes. Many, see. many of them would point out to this being um, Antiochus Epiphanes, mm. who was within uh, Greek period, um, and uh, who did some damage, literally, to the people of God, but okay. in no way so significant as, 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 as is described in chapter 7. Mm. And we cannot separate it. I mean, once we see the parallels in in the previous exactly. kingdom, it just makes prophetic sense. It makes uh, a scholarly okay. sense, a scholarly sense to continue from where we left it in chapter seven to continue here, just giving a bit more detail and expanding onto. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, another point is how can also a horn uh, rise out from rise up from another horn. Right. Uh, okay. So obviously, cannot rise from another horn. So, what is this uh, out of one of them? Is a question, you know. So, this little horn rose out of them, and uh, and the and the Hebrew word is ahat mehem. Okay. Um, uh, out of is feminine, and of them is masculine. And this expression is connected with the previous expression, which uh, has identical order, which is four winds, which is feminine and heaven is masculine. So really, okay. this little horn power kind of comes out of wind. Um, and the wind that, that, is, that is described there is, uh, is, the, is the wind of war, because uh, later on comes this fourth kingdom, or Roman power, and out of this Roman Empire rises this little horn power. So that's mm-hmm. that's really explanation. Then in that case, we stay faithful to the parallelism between chapter seven and and and, and, and chapter, chapter eight. eight. And I guess it makes sense when you think about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding in that these writings wouldn't have been broken down into verses the way we do it now. So it will have been a continuous um, sentence and when we read that verse 8, talking about in play in the, at the end of the verse 8, in place of it, four notable ones came up towards the four winds of heaven. And then it continues, and out of one of them, we could really argue what you're saying there, 
that uh, it's talking out of the four winds and not necessarily that it was necessarily within the Greek Empire. The question obviously is, why don't we have the representation given more clearly and let's say introduce another animal? Okay, sure. Yeah, it's a fair enough question. And the reason for it is something that we are going to talk about next time, which is to do with the judgment. Yes. Because the ram and goat were the two animals which were being offered during the Yom Kippur. Right, the expiation. During the judgment. So in other words, besides describing the reality of the succession of kingdoms, Mm -hmm. by depicting these two animals, there is a bigger reality happening here, Mm -hmm. which is the depiction also of a judgment, where these two animals play the major role. Yes. So introducing a third animal would not really work well. No, no, I can see that. Yes, absolutely. I think it will be clear next week, but I see your point. And, you know, this is exciting because there is so much that the Bible student can dig and then you have something else. And you have, like you mentioned before, there's a beautiful thing in the parallelisms and the meanings in a system that no human intelligence could have created when you follow the rationale. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly. And also, this is one of the blessings, again, we might expand that next week, but this is one of the blessings in terms of this message, as we saw and understood where, at large, the Seventh-day Adventist Church was founded. Yes. Okay. For now, that's the first part of a chapter. The next one becomes really, really interesting when we look at the idea of judgment or the cleansing of a sanctuary. Excellent. Well, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to to that uh, episode as well. So I hope that everybody else is too. It's beautiful to see in the parallelisms and the specific detail that points back to that history. And we can see that now in a backwards view, although if we see, as Sani explained, this was given before this happened. Remember, this was given around the time when Babylon was on. And the reality is we're living in that fourth beast. We're living in that little horn time. And the next thing is Jesus Christ. Yes. When he will come and deliver the saints. And that's the hope, the beautiful hope that Christians live with. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And we look forward to having you again next week when we're going to talk about judgment. We'll talk about those 2,300 days. What do they mean? Why they're there? And why is it important for you and I? Most more so, what can we do with that knowledge and how we can share with somebody else? So I hope that you... Come back next week and listen to that episode. Until then, I hope that you are having a good time, a good Sabbath, and a good period studying the book of Daniel. Today we choose to love God. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast. Like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.